Well, hello, everybody. I'm really thrilled that I have Leslie Deutsch here as our guest on um, Talking Business with Chalpin. And uh, Leslie, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on today. Um, I started out, let's see, a little bit about myself. I'm a native Floridian. I was born and bred in, in South Florida. I went to college at University of Pennsylvania in Wharton. Um, after well, college, I have a great affinity for Wharton, so that's yes. great. Yes, yes. No, so do I. Um, I After college, I went, I was actually one of the few public finance majors at Wharton, or public finance concentrations at the time. Um, I thought I wanted to work for government. I spent some time working for the city of Philadelphia for Ed Rendell at the time. Um, but then I got a job in the public finance department at Wall Street and Lehman Brothers back in the 90s, the mid 90s. Um, and then I realized I loved Wall Street. I loved the atmosphere of Wall Street, but I did not like finance so much, but I loved economics. So I wrote to showing my age at To Whom It May Concern letter to all the economics departments of all the investment banks. And I ended up at Bankers Trust, which turned into Deutsche Bank, which turned into Reef. Uh, a lot of M&A deals during that time. Uh, so I've been doing, and I was the real estate research department. I've been doing real estate research my whole career in New York, never left my desk once. Um, and then when I moved, I moved back down to Florida because New York is a tough place to raise a family and have some space back in 2004. And ever since then, I, I met John about 15 years ago. I joined John Burns Real Estate Consulting. Up until that point, I'd only done commercial real estate research. And since I joined John, I've been doing primarily residential real estate research. So that is my focus. I'm a consultant. I travel all over the country, um, keep track of the trends of uh, real estate, what's happening in the housing market, and also the commercial side of the housing market, apartments and build to rent and anything you can live in, basically, is what I'm I'm analyzing daily. Now, first of all, when you were at Deutsche Bank, they must have confused you that you owned the bank because yeah. your name so, was pretty close. <laughs> I hated that for a long time, but then I realized name recognition is everything, so nobody forgot my name. And I'm still keeping in contact with all the people that I used to work with because they remember my name. So I couldn't change it when I got married for partially because of that reason. All right. And also, now you said you work for John Burns. Uh what is, what is John Burns doing? That's the name of the firm as well as the name of the individual. Yes. So John Burns Real Estate Consulting. So we're a housing market research company, um, a research and consulting. So half of the company spends their time digging through thousands of thousands of different pieces of data to forecast where the housing markets are going. And by housing, I mean apartments, uh, for sale housing, build to rent, and even building products. So we spend a lot of time on the forecast side, analyzing the data. And then the other half of the company are consultants. And so I, I manage the consultants all over the country that are going out and doing specific projects. Should I buy this piece of land? What should I build? So it's, it's really great to have the housing market knowledge when you go into a market, but the local knowledge is key. And that's what the consulting team does is they really bring that local qualitative flavor to a lot of the quantitative stuff that research does. So we kind of follow and track the housing markets. And it's I, I got to tell you, as you're talking, I'm just really excited to ask you these questions because I feel like we're, I'm very lucky to have such a great resource on the other uh, side of the conversation today. So <laughs> let me just ask you a couple questions. What's happened over the last year in the market? We know that interest rates have gone up. And yesterday, the Fed announced another quarter point increase. But what's happened? Uh, what hasn't happened? 
So we had two great years of housing market, right? Starting really with the pandemic in May, I would call it, um, for two years until May of 2022. And after that, we, you know, and I'll just say the, the three things that really happened during that time was we had this massive surge household formations. We had trillions of dollars of excess savings. Everybody was receiving extra money and saving more. Um, and then the Fed was lowering interest rates. So those three things really drove the demand in the housing market. What's happened since then, the last half of, of 2022, we had a rise in interest rates, we had a rise in inflation, um, and household formation started to reverse. So what do you mean actually, by what do you mean by household formation? And I'm sorry if I to interrupt you. Not at all. So Household, we, we count a household as when someone goes out and, and either buys a house or rents an apartment. So during COVID, what we saw in the apartment market was really fascinating. What happened was all the roommates split up, not all, but many of the roommates split up. They wanted more space. Or if you lived in a one bedroom, you tried to get a two bedroom apartment. So there was more demand for apartments than we've ever had in the history of the U.S. So we saw that's where we kind of can count the household formations that people were creating new households because they wanted more space. Um, so there's there's a lot of great detail that goes behind that. So that that's what household formation is. Now, when you have job losses like we're seeing now and your income, your, your savings is starting to get depleted. You start to think, how can I save money? And now you're starting to think about bundling, uh, bunking up again. Right. There's a lot of demand for roommates, uh, roommate type apartments. Right now, um, people are moving back in with their parents to save money. So we're actually decreasing the number of households right now. Do you think it's a, a temporary problem? Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I do think it's temporary and I don't think it's permanent. I think our household formations is slowing a little bit. We're not going to see that burst again, the U.S. household formations. But I, I do think it's temporary. It's what happens during a, a recession. And um, I mean, I noticed in one of your recent speeches that you were gracious enough to give me that the household formations, even the average number of people in the households has declined. You showed that Avalon um, oh. had, and as well as UDR, I guess. Yeah. So they, so that's a great. So the problem with household formation statistics is the census gives them and it's it's delayed. It's a, it's a slow moving uh, machine, the Census Bureau. So the most up to date we can get this is the one I like to point to the most. So Avalon Bay and UDR are two big apartment reads. And what they and they combined have about 12,000 apartments. They're 12, 120,000, sorry. So what's really interesting is prior to COVID, they they tracked this, right? Prior to COVID, for Avalon Bay, I'll, I'll give you that stat. For prior to COVID, they had 1.8 people per unit in, in all of their homes. There are 80,000 apartments across the country. This year, that number is 1.6. So they saw that decline in in um, in number of people living per unit, and I think what's going to happen is we're going to go back to the pre-COVID levels. So that I think we're going to kind of head back to the higher uh, roommate count in in a downturn. So up to let's say two or two point one, whatever it was before then. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll go back to where it was, where people, um, you know, people need to save money. That it's it's cheaper to rent. Um, it's cheaper to to rent when you have a roommate versus a a single person. How has the work from home yeah. phenomenon changed all this? So that's been the most fascinating uh, trend to watch. We, we called it back in, in May, that we called it the great American move. 
which was very similar to sort of just people moving everywhere because they could work from home. So it, 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 I, there's signs of people being called back to work, right? I've seen that occur. And we've seen some apartment buildings, especially in, in cities like Miami, where the occupancy went from 97% to 88% overnight because people basically broke their leases and had to move back to San Francisco, LA, and New York because they were called back to the office. So I think there's some of that, but my my guess is in the future, you're gonna have a much more flexible work environment. So what's gonna happen is you're gonna have the ability to live a little further than you typically would from your employment and, and be able to commute in maybe once, twice a week. So that's good for development. You can have a lot more suburban apartments, a lot more suburban uh, homes, and, and a little further out than typically we um, we would recommend. Now, when people, I mean, I, I when I, I've started surveying people just on an informal basis, and most people don't expect to have a job where they have to go into the office five days a week. And I guess this will impact this a lot. Yes. There, there's a there's a really good LinkedIn study. I don't have the stats right here, but there's more people looking for flexible jobs right now than there is actual flexible jobs. And the statistic is pretty alarming. So I, I agree. There's more people that want a flexible, I'm not going into work, you know, work from home job than there are jobs out here. So I would watch that preference as we head into a, a downturn where you start to see really large job losses like we've seen in the tech sector. Um, and, and other markets. There's some stories about some of these tech layoffs where they have, you know, they cut 10% of their workforce and the next day everybody shows up into the office. So there is there is some some factors there that I think you're going to see some come some people come back to work, but it's going to be the most capable, smartest, and driven people that'll be able to still have that flexible job. And when 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 um I mean I just know driving by commuter railroad station parking lots they're yeah. empty now the trains are empty they're it's just easier to get seats and what what about all these businesses right. that service the commuters the um food providers or the uh parking people or the you know just any of those people yeah i i that's that's a real issue especially in some of the cities and you've seen a rise in crime in some of the cities because you don't have that activity going on during the day um i think that's a real concern I, I do think people are going to be coming back. Um, it's not going to be in mass anymore. So cities are going to have to change and adjust the way that they operate for that. So there's a lot of distress right now in the office sector, um, some in the retail, depending on what it is. But I think there is going to be a, a there's going to be a shift. And that's probably one of the outcomes of this downturn of, of some of the office, the office uses, which is not my specialty, but I know that they're having some some real big concerns about whether it's, you know, more suburban type office from now on. Now, what about, um, you know, you, you, your, your firm in one of your recent uh, speeches, you spoke about immigration to various states, mm -hmm. a lot of, along the Sunbelt area. Sure. Do you think that trend will continue? Yes. Well, I'm a Floridian, so I have to say yes to that answer. Um, no, I, I, I do think it will. I do think it will continue. That's where we project all the population growth, not Florida, but the Sunbelt states. Um, and I, but I think it's going to be at a slower pace. And the pandemic probably pulled forward some of that migration. Um, so I do think it'll it'll slow down. It has slowed down, but you're still seeing people move in. So it, it will continue. I, I want to say part of the reason 
that we have the slower migration now is this whole housing um, downturn that we're experiencing. It's an affordability crisis. It's not driven primarily off of you know bad foreclosures or mortgages or things. So people will still come down when the the housing market kind of resets and you can afford to live in these places again. Now, what about the interest rates? Um, the interest rates now, I guess a home mortgage may be around, it's hovering around 6% now. And just in case anyone looks at this in the future, today is February 2nd, 2023. <laughs> and 6% from a historical basis is not that high, but from a recent basis, it's extraordinarily high. Yep. Well, and- so what's really interesting is that it's come down from 7%. And that, right, we had 7% back in the end of 2022. And that decline alone, the last couple of weeks in the housing market and the for sale housing market has been relatively strong. Um, and so we've seen it in the media, but we talked to builders all across the country and they've been really surprised that there's there's been the demand came back. So I think it's it's not just the 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 high interest rates, but now the direction of the in, of the interest rates is really something important and something to watch because it gives people the confidence to buy when they're coming down. So yes, I think they're going to get used to it. I think permanently we're going to see more of our income spent towards housing. We, you know, it used to be a, a 26, 28% number. It's going to rise above 30 now. You're going to see people spending more on housing, but also we expect home price declines and home price declines will offset some of the higher mortgage costs. And, but at the same time, you have people who are standing on the sidelines saying, should I buy now? when the mm-hmm. price of the house may drop next week, next month, next quarter. What do you say to them? I say that I've been doing this for 30 years and I couldn't time the purchase of my own house. Um, it's, it's, it, I would try, but you can't, housing is something, yes, you're right. People are standing by the sidelines, but they need to be confident in the economy. You can't time it perfectly. Um, yes, we do think that home prices will come down a little bit, but if you need a house, you need a house. So. Yes, you can play the market if you will, but you still don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of external factors that could happen between then and now that I'm not predicting that could change the trajectory. Right now, we expect housing prices to keep declining through 23, through 24, and then start rising in 25. So if I were to tell you go buy a house in the end of 24, yes, according to our forecast. But what what else is going to happen between that? Right? What if mortgage rates drop to or inflation comes down there's a lot of different things that could happen and you think housing prices will drop over the next couple of years is because of interest rates i guess that's one of the major drivers affordability right i think the u.s housing market the, the number in front of me about it's gone up about over 20 percent, right so it's got some some place that the u.s home prices sorry yes have gone up well you said national home prices in one of your recent speeches uh, rose 38% after the pandemic began. Right. So it depends on, yes. I was just thinking over the last year. So I think it's been about 2017 to 20% just in the last year in 2021. But yes, they have gone up that much. And we're kind of looking to give that builders are probably going to give back a lot of that appreciation. Right. Now, then you also have people who bought homes. They have interest rates at 2.8 or 3.8. Right. And they're afraid to move because their new mortgages are going to be at a rate that's maybe double what they're currently paying. Is that going to uh, diminish the supply of available homes? No, that, that, well, 
So because of that, we're, we're promoting, we're big heavy on the remodeling business, right? That's going to boom because there's a lot of people that aren't going to want to move. Um, we, yeah, we have an undersupply of homes by, by far, um, but we can't supply more homes at this current price, right? We have to get the affordability back in check. So yes, there is still going to be an undersupply, although what we have seen across the country is we're seeing listings starting to come up. So, people, so there are a lot of investors and, and I can talk through some of that. Um, let me get to some of the numbers, but the investor percentage of of the U.S., let's see, is about 20, 20, a little over 25% of investors in the U.S. So they don't necessarily live in their house and they're starting to put some of that inventory back on the market, which I think is a good thing because it's going to let the prices come down a little bit and, and have some more supply of homes. Now, when you say the investor percentage is 20%, is that of all homes in the United States or of buyers of homes? That's of of all homes in the United States, 20, well, of all uh, resale homes. Yes. Okay. And 20%. And then what about um, one of the other um, obstacles that our builders are facing is that the cost of development now has skyrocketed. Uh, yes. I've, seen, I've seen numbers where the costs have risen by 20, 30, 40% over the last year or two. Yes. Now that's improving because the demand for components of the home and, and home, uh, products are are starting to decline but that's improving but you're right still increasing it's just not triple digits anymore right in fact we we've actually looked at lumber lumber has come down about 3% year over year so that lumber prices are declining but to counter that concrete prices are up so it's there's a lot of different components they're still rising but not at the pace that they were so the builders are hopeful that um and labor has become a little less expensive because there's not as much um, there's not as much construction. So there that is getting better, um, but it's not it's not perfect yet for sure, and it's not declining. And what about um the cost of development, like you know, to set up the the land so you could to put in the roads and the yeah. utilities? I, I just had someone ask me that the other day. It, it is, it is um it's still rising. And it, it's it, again, labor is is less expensive to some extent, but the the cost of development is very, very high. So there's and so as I sit as a consultant, I get questions every day. Can you put the rents into this? Pro, you know, I want to develop this apartment building, or I want to develop this housing um, community. Can you give us what the home sale price is and the rents are? And I would say more than half of the people come back and say, I can't build it for what you're telling me people will pay. So there is sort of that impasse right now. We're not going to see a ton of supply uh, because of that problem. Do you think development costs will be dropping over the next year or so? Um, yes, I do, but not enough to justify a burst of new construction. Okay, so it's gonna it's gonna take a little while till we reach some form of equilibrium, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Now, one phenomenon that's that's been uh, everyone has been witnessing is build to rent. Yes. And there's lots of companies, some of which are public, that are doing this. What can you speak uh, say about that? Oh, so why is it so attractive? Um, so build to rent is a category. It's basically of apartments, of rentals, but it's it's a community where there's no one living above you or below you. That's how we define build to rent, right? So it's either a townhouse or a single family detached, or um, or we can do these little tiny cottages, you know, real small, um, we call them sometimes horizontal apartments where it's a 600 square foot detached home. Um, they become incredibly popular 
on two ends of the demographic spectrum, right? You've got a lot of millennials that are living in apartments and maybe they have a child or two and they're they're busting the seams of the apartments and need more space, and they, but they don't want the maintenance of a home. So that's been a very big uh, draw for the build to rent category, but also um, retirees, empty nesters, following their kids around, getting a second place. They don't want the maintenance of a home and can rent. And the biggest uh, the biggest tenant of all of these are pet owners, right? So if you're a rental person that wants to rent, if you're a renter, um, the, the build to rent offers you a small backyard for your pet. And that's been the huge um, benefit here. We have done over the last couple of years, probably six, 700 market feasibility studies across the country for build to rent. It's still a very small percentage of the rental market. So it's growing very fast, but it's it's in its infancy. So I think it provides a really, really unique product. And, and all the companies that are involved in this are brand new companies for the most part. And they're going around looking for you know, 30 acres of land to build this community. And you get a lot, it's expensive. You, there's a premium you pay for having your private land, um, your private backyard and no uh, people above you or below you. But people have been willing to pay that because they they like renting. They're renters by choice. They like renting and no maintenance. Um, and they uh, they get that privacy that they're looking for. Are the municipalities uh, comfortable with these BTR communities? So that varies by municipality. It's really fascinating. Phoenix has hundreds of built to rent communities. Myrtle Beach was another municipality that really opened their doors to this type of development. And now they've got, I think, almost 10 different built to rent products. Um, there's other municipalities that have been very open to it. Others have been very difficult. Um, some municipalities in Atlanta are, are saying we don't want any of this in our, in our um, municipality. So they've kind of put a ban on it. Um, so there's a lot of, it just really depends on which municipality. It's it's quite interesting to follow it. Some of them just don't know what it is. So it's it's a little harder to, to get it through the system. So what's the attraction to the municipalities and what's the uh, cause yeah. for concern? So I think the attraction, the cause for concern is they don't know what the product is, right? There, it's, there's no proven concept in most municipalities. But, but the attraction is that you're getting a higher-end renter that can afford to rent, that chooses to rent, plus you're getting a professionally managed community. So it looks just like a, a, a new home community, and it's being taken care of by a professionally managed, you know, so your lawn's taken care of it. It looks beautiful. Um, they're all very well maintained, yet it's still just a rental community. So some of them are saying, well, we don't want rentals. But again, sometimes they look a lot nicer than your brand new um new home community where it's all individually owned and managed. Now, I, I believe it's even your firm has come up with studies that show that it's cheaper to rent than to buy. Why? Yes, depends where you are. Um, it depends where you are. The rents haven't come gone up as fast as home prices. So it, well, with higher mortgage rates, it's usually cheaper to rent than to buy for sure. Um, that statistic is a hard one because a lot goes into buying a house that you don't necessarily factor in. Um, and it's different it's different prices to cut your lawn in one market than another. Um, but we try to make that. But yes, right now, because of the mortgage rates, because of the home price appreciation, it definitely is cheaper to rent than buy in most markets. And do you think that will continue? And once again, that's a prediction. I know that your crystal ball is no may not be any clearer than anyone else's. 
I, I think it will. I think it's very expensive to, especially with the construction cost so high uh, in most markets, I would say in some markets, it might change. But for the most part, it, I think it's going to stay um, up for the renting option. Okay, now why are some of the builders so attracted to the build build to rent? Uh, so that's been the most interesting phenomenon recently is um, so the builders need to build, right? That's how they make money. And they realize that if they don't have a buyer, there's an opportunity to sell, you know, 10 homes, 20 homes, 50 homes to a, a renter operator. So they can continue to build through a downturn. This is this seems to be their answer right now, is that they're selling um, they're selling pods or they're or they're offering their services to build. But the biggest problem with the build to rent industry is if it's all new companies and they don't know, they don't have the expertise to build homes. So the builders have the expertise to build homes, but not manage you know, professionally managed. So it's been a bit of a challenge to get this industry up and started. But now the builders are, because they're not selling as many homes, they realize they can sell, they can build them and sell them to the rental market. All right. So I, yeah, so they have to um, just use up their capacity to build. Yeah. On, on these yeah they want to keep their labor busy, right? They don't want to, to um, have their subs go somewhere else and they want to keep their operations going. So they're using um, rentals to do that. Right now, let me get back to a second. I get a lot of calls from former students, um, friends saying, or their children saying, should we buy now or should we wait? What's your advice on that? Uh, I'm not a realtor. Depends on the market. Um, I, I would say if you found a home that you want and that's good for you, it's very hard to time it. I would say that the buyer has um, more, they have more power now than they have they had in the past. So negotiate. Um, I do think right now, if you were to go to a brand new home community and find a, an inventory home, you could get a very, very good deal because builders do not like to have inventory homes on the market. So they'd be very much willing to sell it for a discount. So I do think that there's, there's a lot of opportunities right now. Um, you just have to be a little careful because the resale market is slower, right? So people don't think their home value has gone down, but then, but the new home builders are quicker to adjust to the new market. Now, also the new home builders are offering various sorts of incentives to people, whether it be free upgrades or mortgage <clears throat> buy downs. Yes. What are you seeing in that area? So mortgage buy downs was the go-to and a lot of them still offer that they've started to increase the incentives. So now you can get a mortgage buy down plus, you know, $20,000, depending on where you are to free upgrades. Um, they'll pay closing costs. Some of them offer pools right now, um, depending on where you are, what market you're in, um, the incentives come in because the builders do not want to lower their home prices. That's their last lever to pull. Um, they have a backlog of homes still that they're trying to build and they don't want to change the home prices. So they'll offer some extras to get new people to buy. And as a percentage of the sale price, what are you seeing those incentives? There, it, it varies, really varies, varies by market. It's it's relatively small in, in Florida and some of the markets that are still pretty strong. So I think it's about 5% of the sales price. It, it's it's relatively small. Um, it can go up to, to, yeah, it could go up to 10 to 15%, depending on where you are. Now, you said that Florida is relatively strong. And there's some markets that are relatively weak now. Is that just because the imbalance between supply and demand or other demographic factors? Um, 
It's a, it's a little both. <laughs> That's a good question. It's it's a little bit of both. So Florida and the Southeast still have that in-migration coming. They are still relatively, again, it's really more affordability driven, I think, if I had to answer that, um, because Florida and the Southeast are seeing still seeing some demand for homes. Um, the, the Northeast and California right now, and even the Southwest are much, much slower um, because there's it, they've become much more um, unaffordable. So I think really now it's an affordability uh, movement and, and to some extent the in-migration. Now, in one of your talks recently, you gave a map of the United States and you showed the amount of in-migration. Yes. And the dark, the states that had a darker color had the most in-migration. And that darker color is around the southern oh, band yeah. of the United States. Yeah. And I guess, you know, there's probably a few outliers here and there. Is there any other trends that you could see in terms of this where people there's more of an out migration or more of an in migration it seems like the, the strongest in migration are the carolinas georgia florida texas arizona and california yes i i i think one of the interesting things is is the the drive for affordability drove a lot of this in migration so if i showed you that map of florida miami actually had a net out migration which is counter to what people would think but there's a lot of people that over the last two years live in Miami, can't afford it anymore, or realize they can move to Orlando, to Sarasota, to other markets and have a much bigger space. So I think it does vary um, by market. But I do think this massive in-migration to all these Sunbelt states, it's not just the people, it's the businesses that came too. So I think that's really important for the future. And the way that I tell my clients in the, in the Sunbelt is, Yes, we're going to have a tough 2023. Um, it, the, the markets, you know, the job market is bad and the housing market is rough with the external factors, but prepare for the upside because now you have people and jobs and that's what you need to grow. So we do think that the Sun Belt's going to actually outperform and outgrow a lot of other markets because people have moved here and they've brought their businesses with them and, and some of their wealth, which helps too. Now, when I get calls from people asking me about investing or what do they think they should do, and obviously not specific questions, but my my comments are short term, it may be a little rocky, but long term, I think where you'll be in good shape. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think there's some really different opportunities this cycle, um, especially so now that we've seen people move in, we've got more flexible works so you can build. There hasn't been historically a ton of new apartment construction in the suburbs, right? It's just starting now. So now you have this flexible work environment. You've got people's preferences have changed. They want smaller towns and smaller areas. So I think there's some opportunities that I always, I tell my investors, don't look at the map and look at the markets you're always used to. There's, there's smaller markets out there that have really, really come into their own um, over these last couple of years that I think have a lot of potential. So it's it's sort of some new markets to look at. All right, I don't. Is there anything else? Obviously, um, it's 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 what makes it so interesting is that it's constantly changing. Yes, and it's a dynamic market, and there's a lot of factors. And who would have guessed a year ago that we'd be in this position today? And yeah. who knows where we'll be in a year from now? Um, is there anything else? I got to tell you, I'm just sitting here. I'm just so thrilled that you were able to uh, share some of your some of your knowledge with us. No, it's um it's it makes for a very um exciting job right now, although it's it's very difficult to figure it out. Um so I think 
being able to understand path of growth is probably the key to a successful real estate investment today. Um, and that's very, very local. So that's very hard to do, you know, with data behind a desk. You really have to understand where people are moving and why they're moving. So, um, I, yeah, no, I really enjoy talking there. There's just so much. The other thing that I would definitely say for the future is it's really helpful to understand the whole real estate environment and not just one sector. So I have found throughout my career that people focus on just offices or just industrial or just apartments, but to really understand where the development is from the entire residential commercial spectrum, to know where the future housing developments are, to, to, to inform the apartment developers that this is where it's going. I think that's what sets people, sets you apart um, as an investor and as a consultant. So that that's where I'm focused on is really understanding local and, and the whole picture. I mean, well, just from my point of view, the, um, the widespread usage of video conferencing, a number of apps, has just really made this easy for people to live in uh, remote locations, to have, have, you know, calls with their family members or their coworkers or their yes. customers. It's just, it's, it's just a phenomenon that it just keeps on growing, and it's pretty neat. Yes, no, it is. It, it definitely is, and there's. So a lot more that's going to change in the future. It's changing faster than ever before, which makes it interesting. You have to stay on your toes. <laughs> well, that's about it. Um, Leslie, um, I just really want to thank you. And I also want to thank John Burns for giving you the time to talk to us. And more importantly, giving you the runway to learn about all of this and to be able to share just some of your knowledge with us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Right, I well, enjoy thank, you. <laughs> thank you very much.